Welcome to the UND Chi Alpha podcast, a podcast for shaping students that are changing culture. We hope you enjoy this week's message by Pastor Mark Erickson. We're kicking off a series of sermons called Why Worship? And we throw it in a question format for a reason. Really, what is the whole point of worship? If you've been around uh, Christian culture at all or any kind of religious, spiritual culture, uh, you hear the word worship quite a bit. And it's a pretty broad term. And if we just simply broke down the word worship, it, that first part of wor- it actually means worth. And so when you're hearing the word worship, I think it helps to kind of put it in the context of worth-ship. When you're giving your worship to something, something, you're determining the value of what something is. And so you're saying, oh, this is worth my time. This is worth my energy. And that kind of helps it seem like less uh, kind of religious mystery to me. And so when I'm kind of like, how do I know what I worship? It's like, well, what do I consider worth my time? That kind of helps me put those things in there. But if I could ask God that one question, I would want to ask him, what is the most important thing for a human to do on the earth? And there's many other questions I would really like to ask. I think if we were only given one question to the, what the Bible calls God, the infinite creator of the universe, I think one question's unfair. Like, I want to ask, God, what's my purpose in life? Why did that person have to die? Like, what, what, what is with this? What's going on in my life? And then kind of on a more comical note, I wonder why did he create creatures like this? The duck-billed platypus. I mean, come on. You have the bill of a duck, you got a tail kind of beaver-like, you got then like fins that look kind of, I don't know, duckish, and then did you actually know that is a venomous mammal right there? It has barbs on it, and apparently it's not going to kill us, but it'll hurt a lot if you get stung. And how do they have babies? They lay eggs! That thing lays an egg! And I'm just like, God, you know, what's up with that? Um, a guy in my small group, that when I when I led when we were when I was a student, he said the platypus is proof that God has a sense of humor. And I was like, you know, you might be right, man. You might be right. But Jesus was asked a very important question in Matthew twenty two verse thirty six, and it says this: Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And for us, maybe a similar question would be: God, what is the most important for, thing for me to do as a human? And Jesus goes on and he answers this question and he says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. And again, if I could sum up that part where it's talking about the Old Testament and the prophets, for our, for our knowledge for now, it's pretty much summing up the whole teaching of the Bible. So if you could wake up every single day and love God, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Sometimes we forget the love yourself part two. Um, If you could do that every day, you'd walk in complete obedience to God. But I want to poke a little further here. I kind of want to be like any toddler when a parent is given a command to the toddler and they ask why, why, why. I want to ask God, why? Why is that the most important thing for me to do? That's really the heart of this sermon series. We're going to talk about things like even why we do worship this way. Because if I don't know how you grew up doing like 
this part of worship doing praise and stuff, but we had an organ where I'm from. We did not have all this. First time I saw a drum set, it was like, can you do that? Is that legit? Um, and now it just seems like everybody's doing it. And so anyways, worship, we're going to kind of talk through those things in this series. Josiah is going to preach on something on the power of worship, about how it actually changes people's lives and changes our lives. But tonight I want to get to that core issue of why is that the most important command? And if we talked in depth about every part of that, we'd be here way longer than maybe you'd want to be. Um, but I want to start answering that question like this. A leading atheist actually named Richard Dawkins, if you've read the book called The God Delusion, he makes a big claim and he says it's essentially delusional, foolish to believe that there is a God. And he says for God to make a command like that, like worship me, love me only, love me with all your heart, mind, and soul, he says for God to do that is essentially proving that God is a narcissist, that he thinks he's super prideful, he thinks higher than himself than he really ought. And if the biblical understanding of God is that he's good, he's benevolent, and he's kind, how can he also be a narcissist? How can he also be, like, in the sense, like, too proud? Because if you and I are proud, that's like a sin, right? If we think too highly of ourselves. And to maybe make this one more level of understanding, if you had a friend, imagine this, if you had a friend say, I can be your only friend, I can be the only friend you ever have. You must love me as your only friend with your heart, soul, and mind. We'd look at that friend and say, bye. <laughs> you know, we, we probably wouldn't be friends with them very long. So why can God do this, but humans can't? That's the question. I want to give you the answers right away, and then I'm going to get into why I believe they're correct. Here's the first answer. We become aware of the ultimate reality when we worship God. We become aware of the ultimate reality when we worship God. And the second point is this. What we behold, we become. What we behold, what we look at most, we become. So for that first point, why worship God? We become aware of the ultimate reality. Like I said, there's so many ways to describe the God of the Bible and why he's worthy of our worship, but I'm going to attempt to do this with a little bit of a story. 32-0, and 0, that was my record going into the state tournament my senior year of high school. I remember arriving at the state tournament being kind of small town country kid, and when you get to Minneapolis and you see like the skyline, you're like, oh, I've made it. This is the big time. For you city kids, you're like, Mark, come on, that just means lots of traffic. You know, but for me, it was like, whoa, this is so cool. But I'd been down at this tournament before. The previous year, I actually took second in the state tournament, and the guy who beat me, he graduated and went on, and so I was one of the favorites to win. So when I would feel the nerves creeping in about, man, I don't know if I'm going to do that well, I would try to remind myself during that tournament, hey, man, you're 32-0. and 0. You're undefeated. No one's going to touch you. I'm sure this tournament's going to be like all season long. It's going to be no big deal. But you know a good story. There's got to be a cliffhanger, so you know it doesn't work out. Little did I know, I was in for a very rude awakening the second round of that state tournament. The first round went as planned. I won very decisively. But the second round, I found myself in a bit of a pickle, down by two points with seconds to go. No fear filled my mind. I can still remember my position on the mat in the Excel Energy Center in the front left part. I think that's the south, southeast corner. And I remember reading the, wrestling this dude named Brady. I forget his last name now. Um, but seconds were going down, and I just kind of just felt cool and confident. There's no way I'm going to lose because I'm the best. That was in my mind. I ended up getting this guy in a move where he was on his back, and in wrestling, if you hold a guy on his back, you get this thing called back points, and you're supposed to get points for that. But the ref wasn't giving me any points. My coaches were screaming, but the problem was my leg was actually blocking his shoulder blades from the mat, so they, they don't give back points for that. 
So the ref made the right call, and I lose the match. And after that, I was kind of just in an out-of-body experience, like, what? I kind of had a reality wake-up that I wasn't really this undefeated, untouchable wrestler. Now, what does all this really have to do with worshiping God? What really happened to me that wrestling match, it didn't have anything to do with my talent or desire to win the match, but I had stepped out of reality. I had this idea that I was untouchable, even though I'd never really wrestled anybody tough that whole year. No offense to northern Minnesotans, uh, but our wrestling schedule is not that tough. If you're north of Alexandria, they're a little soft. Sorry, North Dakota, we won't even, we won't even go there. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. But what I'm trying to show you is that when I went and actually wrestled somebody that was worth their salt, all of a sudden I woke up to reality and realized, wow, I'm not the toughest dude in the room. Maybe some small town athletes, you kind of felt that. Like you've gone, like you were the small town, I'm the best in my town, and then you move to a different town or you go to college and you play intramurals and you're like, there's a lot of good people out there. You kind of have that reality check or you play the staff and spike ball and you realize, you know, no, sorry, sorry, Oof, I got to stop doing that. But we sometimes have these reality checks in our life where we think, where we begin to think rightly about ourselves, where we don't think too high of ourselves or too low of ourselves. And when we worship God, oh, I said I wasn't going to do this, but I'm doing it. Honey, you were right. Prince of Egypt, who's seen that movie? Decent, decent. Okay, not, not even half the room, not that decent. Could you go really high? I didn't even see half the room. Okay, it is an older movie now. Oh, okay, decent. There's this whole Prince of Egypt movie. It talks about like how Moses, you know, through God, got God's people out of Egypt. Pretty awesome. But there's this song. Do you know the song I'm going with? You must look through heaven's eyes. Yeah, you guys get it. You get the jig. But the whole song that Jethro was trying to teach Moses is Moses didn't know what a man's life was worth because he looked through man's eyes. He needed to look through heaven's eyes to become aware of the ultimate reality to see what life was really worth. So when we worship God, we start to become aware of a higher plane. We start to become aware of an ultimate reality. This actually happened to a man in the Bible named Job. It's that little tricky book that looks like Job. Um, I totally made that in small group. Like small group leader said, hey, turn to this book. I'm like the one that says Job, J-O-B. I mean, that's how it's spelled. But in their weird language, it's Job. I promise if you read it, that doesn't mean you're going to get one automatically. Um, so don't, don't, don't worry. You won't have to automatically sign up for a job. I just encourage you to read it. But in the whole story of the book of Job, there's a situation going on where Job has been a righteous man. He hasn't done anything wrong, and these bad things are happening to him. And he eventually comes to this point where he starts challenging God. And he says, God, what's up? <laughs> you know, why is this happening to me? What's going on? God answers Job, and we're going to read a portion of what he says. Chapter 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Good start. Good start. Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you. Gosh, put yourself in Job's position here. And you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstone as the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who kept the sea in, in its boundaries as it burst from the womb? Kind of a weird way of saying where the water came from, you know, from in the womb. Maybe that's where we get that, you know, water, womb, water broke. Biology. <laughs> Verse 9. 
And as I clothed it with clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, verse 10, for I locked it behind barred gates, talking about the ocean again, limiting its shores. I said, this farther and, or this far and no further will you come. Here your proud waves must stop. Verse 12, have you ever commanded the morning to appear and cause the dawn to rise in the east? How would you like if God gave you that reality check? I'm so thankful I get to read it from the Bible and see, oh, challenging God's not a good idea. He might put you in your place. But the, uh, so Job had the gift of actually having that happen. And what I really find so cool about the book of Job, uh, if you totally read the whole thing, but at the last chapter, Job says, I had heard of God, but now I've seen him. Now I've had an experience. Now I have understood this ultimate reality that there's some things, me, finite human being, I'm just not going to get. But now I understand that God's the one who is sovereign. He's in charge and it's going to be okay. Sometimes we need reality checks. And so when we decide to worship God first, we become aware of the ultimate reality. One last thought on that one. In the words of Paul Copen, he wrote a really good book called, called Is God a Moral Monster? I'm going to say that for the bookworms in here because God bless you. We need more bookworms in this place. Um, is God a Moral Monster? Read that book. So good. He says this. Why does God insist that we worship him? For the same reason that parents tell their young children to stay away from the fire or speeding cars. God doesn't want humans to detach themselves from the ultimate reality, which only ends up harming us. So if you and I choose to worship something before God, we're putting ourselves in danger of not knowing the ultimate reality. In other words, we're like little kids running out on the street. Next point. Why worship God? What we behold we become. What we behold, we become. This one's really fun to talk about because you can see this in our society everywhere. When people grow up watching hockey, they usually end up playing the game or at least fans of it. They grow out sometimes those massive flow buckets. You know what I'm talking about? Flow bucket, mullet in the back. Lacrosse isn't the, oh, salad. That's the language, <laughs> salad. And maybe eventually they even start losing teeth. Like it's cool if you're a hockey player to lose teeth, but if you're like, regular average person, not cool to have missing teeth, like hobo-ish, not good. And so anyway, we just have that tendency when we see something, we want to become like that. When people grow up watch, watching skateboarding, they start getting tighter and tighter jeans. They actually buy, yeah, it's just true. It's just true. Uh, or <laughs> we could pick, pick on some preaching culture, man. Oh man, that'd be so fun. We might get there. Um, and it's funny because I, you can actually buy uh, jeans with holes in them before you start skateboarding, and then you just make more as you go, so then you just have no pants. I just really, I really don't th think it's cost-effective, to be honest with you. When we grow up watching our favorite TV shows or following that person on social media, we naturally start to dress like them. Uh, this one's been really fun. I don't see any, so I think I'm okay, maybe. Um, there's something with Bass Pro Fishing Hats. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, I, I don't, you don't have to fish to have that hat. You can, just, you can just wear it. I don't know what video, I don't know what person, maybe it's just a movement. But Bass Pro Fishing Hats are in. And so, you wanna get with culture, get a Bass Pro Fishing Hat. Um, and this happened a few years ago. This was so funny. Uh, there's this church in California and it's California, and it's the summer. It's not cold there. And so the people leading worship started wearing Carhartt stocking caps during worship. And all of a sudden, I start seeing students wear them. <laughs> I'm like, dude, dude, it's summer. Why are you wearing a Carhartt hat? That makes no sense. That's for, like, farmers, people that actually move stuff. 
you know. And so, I guess, and so, anyways, I hope I'm not going too hard here. Because in all honesty, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I just think it's fun to look at. Um, there's the whole dad look. I don't think I'm there yet. Maybe. The, the end shoes, what are those called? New Balance, that's, that's the shoe. The second I do that, you guys can, I don't know, reprimand me. But God knows that we have this tendency to become what we behold, the thing we look at. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just our human nature. And I really believe God actually made us that way. He wants us to become what we behold. And if we observe the wrong thing, we're going to become like the wrong thing. I'm going to look at Romans 1, 21 through 24. This is what it says. This is about God's people in the Bible when they decided to actually worship something other than God. It says, yes, they knew God. Get that. Hold there. They knew God. All right? But they didn't worship him as God or give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Verse 24, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself. I got to say that again. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Just because you know God doesn't mean you worship him. Just because you call yourself a follower of Christ doesn't mean you truly worship him. That's going to be my last question we're going to get to tonight. I'm going to ask, how do we know what we worship? But I hope you're seeing there that what we behold, we tend to become like. Because when God's people worship something other than him, it started to warp their thinking so much that actually that chapter continues on. And it says that they actually started to call evil things good and good things evil. So they got so warped where they couldn't tell right from wrong. I don't know about you, but does that sound like news headlines? Is that crazy? Are we starting to worship creation instead of the creator a little bit? Maybe we need to get back to this thing of worshiping God first and foremost. 2 Corinthians 3.18, though, shows the opposite. If we choose to worship God, this is what happens. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. And now I'm not trying to put in the picture of yourself that you, like, become Jesus. You know, I, I don't want you to, to hear me saying that. But if we understand that God is the creator of everything, he probably knows exactly what you're called to do. He probably knows exactly what he made you for. And this is always such a silly illustration, but I never come up with a better one, so you're going to get it. If I was the maker of the fork, and let's just say the fork talk, I make the fork, and I use the fork for spaghetti, because that's what a fork is for. I'm not one of those fancy spoon guys. You ever one of those restaurants? You know what I'm talking about? I can't do that. I struggle. And so anyway, I need a fork. And the fork, say, if it could talk to me, looks at me and says, no, I want to be used for cereal. I'd be like, what? No. Uh, and then say, I just went along with it. You know, we're going to give you over to your desire. We're going we're gonna to use you for cereal. That would be very inefficient because I'm a, I'm a soggy cereal guy. So, I, ooh, that was a shot down. Sorry, it's just how I am. Well, thank you. Got a couple. Got a couple. And so could you just imagine just trying to use this fork to eat your cereal? That'd be so lame. 
That'd be so lame. And we would all look at this like, oh gosh, could you imagine the dining center seeing that? <laughs> Somebody using a fork be like, dude, do you need to go to University 189 and learn the entry level classes? Here's a spoon. Um, but anyways, I think you get the point. It would just be absolutely ridiculous if me, the inventor of the, sp the fork, had this thing yelling at me and saying, no, use me for something other than you made it. That's exactly what we do to God when we don't worship him first. We say, oh God, I want to be used like this. Oh God, I want to do that. I want this career. But if we don't ever worship him, we'll never find out what he's called us for. And we'll always feel like something's a little off. Uh, worship team, you can come up at this time. I want to read just a couple more verses. It's in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece, period. We are God's masterpiece before you do anything, before you become anyone, whether that's on some notoriety kind of thing, like a social media platform, whether that's your work, whether that's whatever it is. You are God's masterpiece before you did jack squat. That's just how much he loves you. Then the scripture continues, and it says, He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. If we don't ever start worshiping the Lord and really getting to know him, we're never going to get to do the good things he's planned for us. We're going to be settling for something lesser, and we're going to become something lesser. So going back to the beginning, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40, when Jesus gets asked, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replies, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. I'm going to hold on that one for a moment. Because notice, when Jesus talks about really worshiping God, he doesn't say anything about this. <laughs> he doesn't say anything about strings or the song you sing. He talks about the way you live your life. Your life is really worship unto the Lord. Throughout this series, we're going to be talking about, yes, there's a whole reason we get together and why we do all this stuff. It's not just because it's cool. It's actually a lot of work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Trudging up and down stairs and whatnot. Um, we use the elevators. I guess that came into my head. But, uh, sorry, but when we worship God with all of our soul and all of our mind, really it starts to transform us into who he's always wanted us to be. We become what we behold. And if we behold him much most, we'll become the perfect being he's always meant us to be. Kind of crazy thought, isn't it? But now the question I want to move us into is how do we know what we worship? How do we know? That's actually a, there was a lot of handouts on your chairs today. There was the, the magnet. Feel free to take that. But then there's the bookmark. Could I actually get one? I should have brought one up here. Can I steal that one? Thank you so much. On this little bookmark, it's honestly, you guys can keep it. You can throw it away. It doesn't bother me. I just felt like I wanted to give you something tangible to start measuring how do you know what you worship. When Jesus replies, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, I want to break that down a little bit. How do you know what you worship? The way you know what you worship is by where you spend your time, what you talk about, how you spend your money, and how you spend your mind. How you spend your time, what you talk about, how you spend your money, and how you spend your mind. And if you can, even just for one week, this is just a little challenge. I'm not going to follow up with you on it. Maybe I might say, hey, did you do that? That's going to be all it. This is just between you and God. You can bring it up in small group. Talk to your small group leader. I think that'd be great. But if you can look at your time and say, well, I really love God, but then your screen time kind of shows other things. I love that Apple ice 
whatever, I think Android has it too, that screen time thing. It's the most convicting and honest thing on the planet, is it not? Yeah. And you, if your Bible app minutes are cranked up there, God bless you. You know, you get the Bible app, then let your screen time just go and go and go. But then also what you talk about. This one's really hard. Do you spend more time talking with people about other people? Or do you spend more time talking with people about Jesus? Does that make sense? And then how do you spend your money? I mean, Jesus, he keeps going and he says, you love your neighbor as yourself. That's worship unto the Lord. So do I use my money just to bless, or to bless others or is that just simply a me thing? Do I just look to spend on me? And the last one, this is a, it's going to be actually a whole other sermon series. It's what's on my mind? What do I think about? Do I obsess over worries? Do I obsess over things that don't matter to God? Or do I obsess on things that matter to him? Whatever is excellent, whatever is pure. We're going to talk on a whole sermon series on that one. So, again, I challenge you just to think on those things for one week and just talk to the Lord about it and find out what you worship. With all that said, I'd like to get every head bowed and every eye closed. Just a couple questions tonight. You know, maybe you're here and you have a relationship with Jesus, but you even feel after just this one installment of the worship series, you're like, oh, man, I don't know if I, I spend my talk so good. I don't know if I spend my time so good. My, my money and my mind. And you'd like God to kind of give you a holy heart check in that. And you'd like to ask him for grace so that you fall more in love with him. If that's you, could you raise your hand right now just so I can see? Awesome. I'm going to pray for you guys soon. You can put those hands down. This is what we're going to do. I'm actually going to pray for just that one question. And then after I'm done praying, Andy's going to lead us in one song. And we're just going to worship the Lord and, and receive prayer if we'd like. Um, I'm going to pray like this. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for what you're doing in our lives. I just ask that you guide us in this time. Well, this is your room. This is UND's Memorial Union, but ultimately it's yours. And so I just ask that you do what you want in this room. Uh, for the students that raised their hand, um, we're just asking you to do heart surgery on us. Move the things that need to be moved, recalibrate the things that need to be recalibrated, and just teach us what it means to actually worship you, to consider you worth our life, to really consider you worth everything. So help us, Lord Jesus. Amen. Oh, what you guys could do right now, if you could stand. Uh, ministry team, if you could get on the sides and in the back. Um, if you guys want prayer for anything in the message, feel free to respond by going to any of these pastors and student leaders, and they would love to pray with you. Um, but if there's just stuff going on in your life too, like stage checks, life, family things, stress, you name it, we'd love to pray for that. And after this last worship song, then we'll, we'll close out. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. We hope it blessed you, encouraged you, and equipped you to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. If you would like to connect with us, you can visit us at undkialpha.com.